fireside chat. The, um, the concept of the fireside chat is to have an opportunity to connect with each other, uh, to have a kind of, you know, Hamish, it's hard to translate Hamish, but kind of a, a warm get-together, kind of like you might have around um, a fire, although in Atlanta, at least, it's in the 80s. So I don't think we need to light a fire, but the concept here is that it's meant to be warm and cozy and a conversation with a world-renowned scholar. So I am very excited to welcome our guest speaker tonight, Rabbi Ronnie Fine from Montreal, Canada. So I need to mention a few things. First of all, Rabbi Fine is renowned as an educator's educator, an educator who has been um, in the field of adult Jewish education and, and, and Jewish outreach and education for many, many years. So it's, it's quite an honor to have him with us here with our Atlanta community tonight. I also need to mention that many of you have had the opportunity to meet Leah Khazanov, who is our administrator. Uh, you may have seen her at the office or at the classes. Leah is Rabbi Fine's daughter. So we have a Mishpacha family connection. So the problem when I mute everybody is that when I say either a joke or like a big reveal, the audio, like the reaction, I'm not getting. But I'm, I can sense it because not always when I tell jokes do I get the reaction even in person. So I, I, I've already trained myself to uh, kind of, but yeah, I saw some of you go, ah, but that's, uh, it's, it's great to, um, to, uh, to have the mishpacha here, to have family of, uh, of, of in-town Jewish Academy with us. So Rabbi Fine, um, before we get started, I know you're going to present that your topic is, is about love, which, uh, which certainly is appropriate for today and this week we, with the holiday of Shavuot. Um, but first, I wanted to ask you, um, as part of our kind of informal around the fireplace type setting, how did you first get into Jewish education? By learning. <laughs> into Jewish education. When you learn Torah, and uh, as the old saying goes, you know, you could learn it, but is it learning you? Is it uh, teaching you? So when we allow the Torah to teach us, how could we not then teach it to others? As the word Torah comes from the word Haram, meaning it's a lesson, it's a guide, it's, uh, it's um, life itself. So once uh, you've tasted it, the tree of life, there's no other way but then to engage in it and to share it with others, right? And I guess that's also the concept of love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So, motivates us to, to share with others because of the love that we have. So um, that's... Uh, it definitely is um, you know, something I teach on a daily basis still after many years. And um, I guess there's something very special about its, its teachings point in fact that we do chita, so we study it every day and even though you know it might be out of rote that you do something day in day out but when you really uh, study it then you can see how it is life-giving and even year after year we plummet its depth and uh, we see so much more life but I, you know I uh, on your introductory remarks I must say that you know 
my claim to fame in Atlanta is is actually three daughters that live in Atlanta. Yes, yes. Not and of course uh, my daughter Leia, who uh, works for you and um, has a rena a, 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 a renewed vigor as a result of you and in learning and engaging in Hafatza, in spreading out Yiddishkeit. And I want to thank you for that. Well, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a pleasure and it's a win-win. It's a good, it's a, it's, it's been, she's been amazing. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. So the, the real truth is my claim to, play, uh, to, to, to fame, at least in Atlanta, is Leia and my other two daughters that live there. So... <laughs> So, Rabbi, let me ask you another question. Um, when did you start? When did you start your activities in Montreal um, with teaching and and as a as a as a Chabad representative, a Chabad emissary? So, actually, um, this is we're entering our my wife and I our fortieth year, believe it or not. Wow! Amazing. We started off on campus at McGill University when we first came in nineteen eighty one. Very young, you know, just uh, after several months in Kylo, uh, being in New York, and we came here to Montreal. And um, one thing led to another, and uh, we're, we're here today um, trying to make a difference. Amazing. All right, so I think, uh, I think we're ready to roll. So um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce formally or ask Rabbi Fine to uh, share tonight's topic which is, um, for the love of God, what's love got to do with it? That's the topic. Or in other terms, as in Western culture, is it true that all you need is love? Um, we're enamored with love. We're in love with love. Why is that? What is it about love that's so crucial to us? And I say specifically in Western culture, because what we're seeking is a feeling. We want to feel good about ourselves. And either loving someone or being loved makes us feel good about ourselves. Now, of course, there's a great problem with that. Um, and that is then the object is my feeling of love or being loved and therefore the other individual becomes the object of my need to have love and I would suggest that in Western society why um, women are objectified is because the root base of it is that all I need is love and therefore since that's the goal that's the end is the feeling that I have Eventually, there will be an objectification of another individual as a result of my desire, my need for love. Why do we have that desire? Again, is make me feel good about myself. In other words, I have a hole in my soul. I'm missing something. I'm lacking something. And we feel that we will fill it up with love. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. For many a reason, but let's take it from a from a Jewish perspective. 
Zaramba, Maimonides. By the way, um, uh, just I have one rule, and that is Habayshin ain't a language. It's on my rule, actually, from the Mishnah. A uh, embarrassed person doesn't learn. So if anybody has any question, feel free to ask. If it's a clarification on something that's uh, that's not uh, that you don't have a clarity in what I'm saying, then for sure stop me. If it's um, another point, then at, definitely at least at the end, uh, please have your questions and don't be embarrassed. So no stupid questions. Hopefully, I'll uh, be able to give good answers. So Maimonides, when he speaks about relationships, human relationships. So the first thing that he speaks about is not about love, but respect. Why is that? Why would respect come before love? Now, I speak about love too, but respect first, because respect, as opposed to love, is really more about the other person. Right? Respect means making space for them, giving them um, the value who they are, unto themselves and when you have that underlying principle that you relate to another person not based on how I feel towards them and you can make room for them have respect for them then the love can grow and you can have a cherished love but if it works the other way around and I start with love. That means I'm starting with myself. My need to feel good about myself and loving you makes me feel good about myself. Being loved by you makes me feel good about myself. So then in the end, it's as in the terminology, in Hasidic terminology, it's yesh, misha, ayah, that there is the one that loves. I, there is the I am that's loving is the center of it. And therefore, you're on the periphery and um, as long as, you know, you make me feel good, you're there. Respect, though, begins with the other. Now, of course, it's me respecting, so it's us in the, in the, in the response, in the, in the connection, in the relationship, obviously. But it is with the notion of otherness, of the other person, the value of the other person the respect for the other person. With that notion, then love has a true place and a true meaning, true place to go. You know, this is an old machlekes. It's an old argument and debate. You know from where? I'm sure you all heard of it. Fiddler on the roof. <laughs> it's a debate between Golda and Tevya. What's the debate? What does Tevya say to Golda? Do you love me? Right? He's asking her, do you love me? And what does she say? What does she respond? For 25 years, I washed your clothes. I fed you. Sorry. I took care of you for 25 years. What was Tevya looking for? Romance, a feeling. Do you love, do you love me? And he's looking for that feeling. He was looking to be loved. And what does she say? 
What do you mean? Of course I have. I've put it into practice. I've done for you. I've been there for you. So really what comes out like this. The Jewish perspective, not about a feel good. It's about a do good. Not to say that, you know, the feeling is, you know, to be discarded. It has no value. But that's not the desired end goal. Is that I should feel good because I am loving and, and I am beloved. No. It's about do good. It's about doing good. And this is what Golda says then. Look what I've done for you all these years, right? Again, then what becomes the focus? It's not me. But then you become the focus. It's about you. And what I do for you. How I'm there for you. But that comes from a healthy person. That comes from a healthy person, which... Is important. I suggest many of us are not so healthy, and that's why Western culture all you need is love because it's going to fill that hole. But if you have a purpose to live for, that's not about me, it's about do good in order that I be good because that's my purpose of what I was created for. Then the need for feel good is not so great. Now we're human, so we can still have it, you know, but we are, so it's, you know, can't fool ourselves. But it's not going to be so powerful. It's not going to be overwhelming. It's not going to be um, what defines me. What defines me is my purpose. What defines me is the, the, to do good. And I'm not looking for the feel good. Again, if it comes, it's great. It's wonderful. And it should come. But it will come in a more real way when it's not coming to fill a hole, a gap in our lives, a um, insecurity that we have. That, you know, what is my life worth? What's the value of my life? So when we are loved by another, we feel that our life has value. But that's kind of upside down. In other words, I'm getting value because someone loves me. Another person loves me, therefore I have value. That means my value will obviously go up and down and bounce around based on uh, you know how much I feel that I'm loved by others. But if I'm uh, indeed beloved by God, beloved, loved by God, which doesn't change, have a purpose that creates more, that also in a sense doesn't that I'm here not to be. Right? Love is being served. In a sense, that I feel loved, it's concerned. But if I'm here, I'm here to do good. 
That's because I'm secure in who I am. And the love isn't to fill a, a gate. But then the love becomes about the love becomes turning to the by the way before questions is if you want to ask Rabbi one one thing um, I think you just started kind of the audio started breaking up a little bit. Um, so yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was just me, but I, I got a, I got a comment or two talking about the audio breaking up a bit, but I maybe move elsewhere. Now it's clear. Now it's clear. Um, it sounds better to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I have a question, Rabbi. Please. I was waiting. <laughs> so, so if I understood what you said, if I have a healthy relationship with Hashem, then I can enter into other loving relationships in a way where it works in that I don't need the other person to fill that hole in my soul because I have the appropriate relationship with Hashem. And so a healthy self-respect allows me to respect whomever I may be in relationship with, and also it allows for true love to occur as opposed to, for lack of a better term, a needy love because I'm trying to fill a hole in my soul that another human can't fill. It's a hole that only Hashem can fill. Is that basically kind of what you're saying? Beautiful. That's where I was going. <laughs> We're thinking on the same lines. I think I think it's 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 incredibly powerful, Rabbi Fine. The idea that you're talking about this 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 notion of of we seek human approval to feel better about self, and that's as you said, that's a commodity that's going to go up and down based on the natural ups and downs of emotions and relationships. That's a very shaky foundation to build the core of self-esteem on and self-value on someone else's approval. That sounds like, it sounds kind of crazy, but it sounds like that's what we're doing oftentimes. Right. Think about it. All, most of the songs of Western culture are love songs. And what are the love songs about? Having the feeling of being loved or to having that love. A song to begin with is about a yearning. And here's a yearning of a soul that wants to fill a hole that, as uh, 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 I didn't catch your name, the lady that, uh, that uh, spoke. What was her name? Oh, my name's Joy. Joy. Oh, of course. What else could it be? <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we don't start with our first and foremost relationship, which with is with Hashem, with God, and then use that relationship that we have with God Almighty, with all with our human relations, then our human relations will be very different when we start in that manner, because we're filling the hole. We all have a yearning. We all have a hole in our soul. The question is, what is the true hole in our soul? 
is the fact that we want to be connected. Everybody wants to be connected. Love is about connection. But that connection first is God Almighty, who gives me inherent value and inherent purpose. Another human being can't give that to me. Only God can give that to me. When I have that, then I fill the hole that now the love that I have to in, in a relationship will be in a healthy, because it's based on a healthy foundation of a real sense of purpose, a real sense of inherent value that only God can give us. No one else can. Not even our spouse. Right? So then the love then becomes a love as a means to an end. Oh, for you. As opposed to the feeling. So instead, do good rather than the feel good. And this is actually amazing. The title page of Tanya, which uh, Tuesday we will finish the 53 chapters of the first book of Tanya, Sefer Shalbainani, which is based on, could you imagine, 53 chapters of a book is based on one verse in Deuteronomy. One verse in Deuteronomy. The verse says that this thing called Torah mitzvahs, a relationship with God, is very close to you, in your mouth, in your heart, to do. So the Alter Rebbe is very exacting. The founder of the Chabad movement, the Alter Rebbe, author of the Tanya, over 200 years ago, is very exacting on the term. It doesn't say in your heart and do, which means that you should have feelings, and you should also do. It says in your heart to do. In other words, the feelings of the heart are in order to bring you to do for God. So love as an end in itself doesn't really exist in our time, except by the truly righteous. They can truly love God and delight in God as an end in itself. You know, we can't delight in other people as an end in themselves. We delight in others because of, you know, you make me smile, you make me happy, you do this for me, you do that for me, and therefore that's how I delight in others. But to delight in another person just for who they are, but not what, how they tickle your fancy, only the righteous can do that today. So they have a love of delights in God Almighty. We will ultimately also have it in the times of Mishiach. But right now, our love is in your heart, to do, to bring you to action, to do. That will bring you even towards God. And this is a, one of the novel ideas in, in Tanya, is that you would think that if you're going to be an upright Jew, a committed, truly committed Jew to God Almighty, then, you know, as a human being, you've got a mind. The mind should feed the heart. 
that you should have palpable feelings towards God Almighty in your heart. And from there, that'll bring you to action. Now, that is the ultimate, that we should be able to actually, you know, have uh, to be aware of God, to know God as best as we can. And that should bring and feed our heart, that it should, that awareness should implant in us a true feeling towards God. By the way, that's what makes us different than an animal, right? An animal also has an instinct and also has a mind, but their instinct only leads them to use their minds to fulfill their instincts. So we can be like an animal, right? Which sometimes, I'm speaking to myself now, you know, I can be that way, that I can have an instinct and I'll use my mind to fulfill the instinct that I have. Whatever, you know, sometimes with food, you know, that's a very good area that we have natural instincts that, you know, we can use our minds and how am I going to, you know. Human being is upright, not on fours, which the mind and the, uh, the, the brain and the heart are on the same level. Human being is upright, meaning the mind feeds the heart and then brings to reach out to another, do a mitzvah. And what the alternate teaches us is that it doesn't always work that way. We can't always have a real feeling towards God. And for that matter, since that's the epitome of all relationships and our other relationships, we can't always have a feeling towards our loved ones in a palpable way in our hearts. Even though we have an awareness on my mind, this is my spouse, this is my child, this is my parent, this is my fellow Jew. It doesn't always, you know, translate. It gets lost in the in the neck over here, you know, from the head into the neck. It gets that's why it's narrow over here. Sometimes it gets lost. The author says that's okay. As long as we have that awareness, we know that that's the truth. The author calls that a tunasaba, um, an intellectual love, or like a knowing heart. A heart is feeling. It's not knowing. What does it mean? It doesn't really feel. It knows, though. And the Alta says that's, that's perfectly fine. You know why? Because if the whole point was about the feeling of a feeling of love towards God, so then uh, you missed everything. You, you missed it. You don't have the feeling towards God. But that's not the point. The point is, build Vulcan in your heart to bring you to action to do another mitzvah to do something for God in the realm of your behavior, of thought, speech, and action, that we do something that is an action that is prompted by that knowing heart that does for God. Same thing with human relations. In human relationships, likewise, you know, if we wait for the passion and then we act, not always will we act lovingly, but sometimes we have to act lovingly even we don't have the feeling. And when we are able to do that for God, then we'll be able to do that for another also. That even though it's not in my heart right now, I'm not feeling it. All you need is love. No. All you need is that enough of an awareness in your mind that has a knowing heart that I need to act kindly towards you even though I ain't feeling it.
It's not there. Because it's not about feeling good. It's about doing good and hence being good as a result of that. That's a concept of love in a Jewish perspective. This we can appreciate the story. I'm sure many of you heard the story before of the, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Shalom Dover. He was learning late at night with uh, one of his chassidim, who happened to be the teacher. Sorry. Who happened to be the teacher of um, his son, the previous Rebbe, Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak, who was lying on a cot sleeping there while they were learning. So the teacher of this young boy looked at the boy and says to his father, ah, you could see the purity of thought. You could see the purity of thought uh, in his, on, uh, on his mind. It's on his forehead, you could see it. And his father looks at him lovingly and he was about to get up to give him a kiss on the forehead because he was so moved, so moved by those words. And he held back and he sat down after his learning with uh, with the teacher, with the Yosef Yitzchak's teacher. And he wrote a Hasidic discourse. He was six years old at the time. Five years later on his 11th birthday, his father, Shom Dober, the Rebbe Rashab, gave this to his son as a birthday gift. And he said to him, this is a Hasidic kiss, a Hasidic shekush. This is a Hasidic kiss. And he told him the story, what happened. In other words, what did he do? And this is, you know, by, by the way, this is not an indication that mothers and fathers shouldn't kiss their children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should kiss our children. However, there's a different based on this story. What did he do? He was moved in his heart with a palpable feeling of love towards his child and he wanted to express it by giving a kiss, which is fine, not a problem. But then he wanted to translate it into something more meaningful, not about his feeling the love at the moment, but it should be expressed in doing something for his son that is an act of love. And that act of love is that he wrote a Hasidic discourse and gave it to him as a birthday gift five years later that's really you know planning things out (laughs) in a real way Uh, the point of it is that when we kiss our kids are we kissing them because it makes me feel good or am i kissing my kid because maybe that's what they need now listen we're human and we're gonna do it and i do it so, you know, you know, we all do it. However, are we going to define ourselves by this? Are we going to make this our reality? Or that, okay, we did it just because, you know, we got, you know, in the moment, we just overwhelmed with the, with the love that we wanted to feel and express it. Or are we going to make our reality that we are about not feeling good, doing good, and therefore being good as a result of it. So 
I think that's the important message that Tanya offers us that we can truly become who we need to become and have the proper love of God, the love of our loved ones in a healthy way that um, will uh, truly, uh, truly um, impact a love that's truly impactful and, um, and meaningful. Any questions? You know, silence, it, it, it might be golden, but I'm not certain in this instance. <laughs> Maybe it's golden because uh, if you have clarity, if you have clarity on the issue, so then, uh, you know, the silence is a sense of humility in that we... Oh, I get it. And it's, you know, penetrating and being impactful. So that, that's amazing. I, I will I'll tell you. Tell you this. questions, feel free. Rabbi Fine, it looks like we have, um, we have somebody who raised their hand to ask a question. Bethany, are you there? Yes, I am here. All right, Bethany, go ahead. Thank you, you so ahead. much, Rabbi Fine. Pleasure. I, I um... I'm thinking as you're talking about this, a, a very negative term, and I don't want to lay this negative term of being self-centered on this beautiful lecture you gave tonight, but is that, is there a softer term to use rather than, you know, the, if, is it true that if all I'm thinking about is what makes me feel good, that's self. So... I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Well, let's understand. You know, that's the human condition. And, and most people, quite frankly, um, current audience excluded, and what's the proof? Because you're here. The fact that you're here, I mean, you're excluded, is that's all they're interested in is self and, and but that's the human condition does that make the person evil no doesn't make them evil it doesn't make them the good they could be it doesn't make them you know live to their potential right. to rise above the human condition which is being self-absorbed, self-centered, and 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 also this not not talking about you know uh, this is some psychopathic you know <laughs> extreme over here. We're talking about normal. It's normal. It's a normal human condition. And as I said, I think a few times, I fall prey. We all fall prey to it. Yeah. That's not what the take-home should be. Are we going to fall prey? Absolutely. We're going to kiss our, our, our kids and our grandchildren because I'm feeling it? Absolutely. It's okay. Don't define yourself by it, though. Don't make that your true reality. Don't make that what you're all about is about the feel good. Right. 
that's really the, the, the important take home over here. So that gives us a chance to grow at least, at least to move forward and to, you know, reach to what we can be, to transcend that human condition and become godly people that we're meant to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I love that you said in the doing good, it, we will result in being good. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Beautiful. Any other questions? Folks, you can raise your hand or unmute yourself. Adina Malka, I will unmute you. Go ahead. Um, Rabbi, um, I have never felt love for God, ever. I have felt fear and I have felt anger, but I've never felt love. That's okay. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Because the truth is, the truth is, um, to feel, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this before, is that the feel, a real palpable feeling, we're small people. We're not so great. Are we really going to feel that? That's not so important. The question is, if I have an awareness of it, of the truth of it, um, that will translate into a knowing heart. Not a loving heart, but a knowing heart. And that knowing heart will lead me to behave differently. That's amazing. And as we mentioned, that in a relationship, respect comes first, likewise with God. As the Altareb explains in uh, chapter 41 of Tanya, that the, the core and the essence of our relationship with God is actually what's called the fear of God, not fear of punishment, but fear of presence. As I mentioned before, when someone is in the room, as opposed to someone's not in the room, we act differently. So if we have a sense of God's presence, Right, that God is present. Not that he's present and saying, oh, look at him again. Look what he did. <laughs> no, not that manner. A presence that is empowering us. A presence that is pleading with us to be good. That awareness is fear, awe, respect. As we have respect in our behavior when another person is in the room as opposed to we're alone. So if we have that sense of, uh, you know, that, that there is a presence of God in my world, in my life, uh, to, in some manner, then that will change our behavior. That's the core and essence. Then So if it's going to be the respect of God's presence that will bring that, or the love that will bring that, the truth is, in a sense, they are the flip side of the same thing. One is about a desire to connect. And just like you have a desire to connect with a loved one, you have a desire not to be disconnected from that loved one. So likewise with, with God, we have a desire to want to connect, that's love, and a desire not to be disconnected. That's another idea that comes from the hidden love. 
which we really didn't touch upon. Maybe for another time we can uh, dwell upon that idea. We, did, we didn't touch upon that uh, now. But um, the, 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 the bottom line is, is it making me more of a mensch? More meaning a mensch being thought, speech, and action that I am um, totally responsible for, that I have total control over if I choose to. So when we speak about love or respect, it's about bringing to that behavioral, you know, improvement and growth of being good. Does that bring clarity? Is that okay? Or are you still looking for the love? <laughs> it's just, uh, I feel guilty that I don't feel the love. I feel awe when I look up into the heavens and the sky and the flowers. I feel awe. And, but I, I just, it just seems, I don't feel love. I feel awe. I feel fear. I feel angry. But I can't say I, I feel a love for God, that's all. And that scares me too. But uh, again, it, when you say love, what what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I know what it's like to feel love for my children. Um, I don't know what it's like to feel love for God. So I don't think most of us will have a love for God as we do for our children. So that's okay. Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. If you are trying to connect and do for God more, yeah. so then you're, you're doing great. The more you learn, that will bring an awareness of the presence of God and the realness of God in your life, the more it can bring to, won't be a palpable feeling, but that's okay. A knowing heart is also tremendous accomplishment. It's a tremendous accomplishment. So you have to ask Rabbi Solish to learn more with him. You know, don't let him off the hook. <laughs> don't, make life, don't make life easy for him. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> He's not here to have an easy time, as any of us are. You need to demand, you know, to learn more with him in that area that you could uh, develop it greater in a greater manner. Try some Tanya. Rabbi Fine, I need to mention that by divine providence, um, we have a Tanya class, Thursday night Tanya class, and we are in the middle of chapter 41 right now. Oh, look at that. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Pretty, pretty cool. It almost sounds like we uh, we set this up, you know, kind of like. <laughs> no, you know what? It took it took it took someone greater than us to set this up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just want to jump in for a second because I think um, the way I'm connecting the pieces that you talked about. So the, the 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 first idea that I that I internalize is the notion that we shouldn't seek. Our, um, our self-esteem from, from human beings, even from our loved ones. In other words, we should have that. That should come from a higher place. Us just being here, us being born, us, us breathing, us waking up this morning, that is a vote of confidence that should give us 
all of the, the worth or value that we need to be confident striding through our day and striding through life. Um, with that, we can love in a healthy way, which is truly focus on the other. And that leads to a love that's less about a feeling, which is part of making me feel good that I'm loving, and more about what is it that they actually need? What is, you know, and maybe they do need the kiss, as you said. Maybe they do need the hug. You know, that's, that's very important, not to take that away. But, but when, it's, when that's not the case, then we don't let our own neediness, let's say, or our self-awareness cloud what it is that, uh, that our loved ones need. So we focus on, on, on acting on the love. So I love, I love them. Okay, so what am I doing about it? Is that, uh, is that, is that, a, is that an accurate? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Um, questions, comments. I know the ideas tonight are, uh, are incredible. So please jump in. I think Linda. Hi. Hi, Linda. Um, thank you, Rabbi Fine. And I apologize in advance for probably how awkwardly and unclear I'm going to ask this, but this is, so, talk, about, talk about like a paradigm shift. <laughs> um, you're right, Western culture privileges that romantic feeling, the whole concept of romanticism. And if you don't feel it, I mean, so many early marriages dissolve. They even call them starter marriages, you know, and a lot of it is because the, the feeling is gone, right? I just don't feel that way anymore. So, and I guess I, I, I'm so, you know, in, in, inculcated into that mindset. I'm, my brain is uh, tripping over, well, then how do you evaluate? Um, how do you determine whether you're being loving to somebody or you're just having incredibly poor boundaries. <laughs> um, and, maybe, and maybe you started with the answer that um, the Rebbe said you start with respect. Respectfully. Um, then, you know, if they're not treating you respectfully, you don't have to stick around and be... Um, and I'm sorry, this is where I'm all over the... But it's, it's kind of a question of... Love. How do you, well, I guess not just romantic, any kind of love where you have that feeling. How do you evaluate and chart your course then with this? And I'm going to be quiet and let you talk because I don't know how to make that clear at all. <laughs> I, I think I got it. Um, most definitely this is an you know, individual case therapy, shall we say, as opposed to general principles that we're speaking about over here. You know, taking into consideration, uh, you know, many factors, but um, if someone truly guided themselves by these principles that we spoke about, and again, we spoke about it briefly. We didn't, you know, uh, at least the foundational ideas here. Um, if we guide ourselves this way. Um, one of the types of love that the Alter Rebbe speaks about, uh, it's a beautiful and it's very powerful, it's called a reciprocal love. And um, I'm not going to go into this idea now, maybe another time we can uh, go into this concept. But uh, Let me just jump in. I'd love a, uh, a sequel. So you just opened the door. <laughs> where I, I may or may not take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> so the... Believe it or not, 
love is a powerful thing. And if it is used out in that healthy manner, when we express it the way it's meant to be, it will mirror a reflection that we never thought was possible. But there's a problem with it. And that is, it's not a kind of love that is a feeling that you have. It's actually about digging so deep inside of yourself. And each time digging deeper in yourself on how you can find a deeper, more profound capability of loving. Not as a feeling, but as a true devotion. But that takes work. And part of Western culture is we don't want to work. We want a freebie. We want a free lunch. We want to be on easy street. And this gets back to the main principle. And this is maybe if this notion is probably the most important notion. Am I here to be served or to serve? If I'm here to be served, then, well, I, I don't think any of us would be here today on this call if that was what we really believed. The only thing is we're human, and in the human condition is we want to be served. And to transcend that in a manner that we live, that we're here to serve, serve God, serve our families, serve our communities, serve, you know, and so on. And that's what we're here for, period, to serve. Whatever, however that translates, that's not the, the point. It's about a mindset, it's about a commitment. And when we make that commitment, then the feel good is, becomes, you know, very insignificant. Not that you want, you will, you will actually feel good, but because that's not what you're seeking in life. You will feel good, by the way. It's tremendously good because that's not what you're seeking in life. You're seeking to serve. So that paradigm shift is what's crucial that we need to take earnestly and take home. And once we do that, then, okay, how am, I, how am I here to serve? God, what do you need from me now? So often, I'll tell you when I'm in a, you know, when I'm in a, in a place in my heart, in my head, where there's a confusion, where I'm not, I, I sit down, I try to learn something, or daven or whatever, and say, okay, okay, God, what do you want from me? What do you need from me? Not what do I want out of this situation. What do I want from this relationship? What do I want from this mess? What do I want? No, 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 no. That is called, I'm here to be served. Okay, God, what do you need from me now? Whether it's in a relationship that is at a challenged crossroads, whether it's something in business that is a difficult time, children, the challenge, whatever. Just think. Now, the fact that we think that way is already rising above the human condition. 
is already transcending self. And truly really certain, God. Now, will you always get the right answer? Not necessarily. But you're at least in, on the right train. You're going the right direction. Might not get there as quickly. Some trains go faster, some go slower, some stop, make stop places, and you know, and other people get on the, on the train and other challenges and difficulties and so on. That being said, though, um, you're going in the right direction. And ultimately, you know, that's the most important thing. Now, of course, together with that, you know, we, we need to learn. We need to learn Torah. Because Torah is going to give us the guidance, Hasidus in particular, will give us the guidance that is necessary that when I ask the question, okay, God, what do you need from me? What do you want from me? Whatever it is, okay. So, of course, we need that in order that we can, you know, truly be empowered. And that being said, again, that doesn't mean we'll always, but at least we're on the right, right? We're on the right train, going the right direction. Does that help? Amazing. Yes, uh, very much. Thank you so much. Um, Joy has a question. Go ahead, Joy. Thanks. So following up on that and listening to what you said, you, you answered a question partially that I had. So to be my usual blunt self, I, I discipline myself to ask that question God, what do you want me to do today? But to be perfectly blunt, I'm really scared as to what he might give me as the answer. And what happens if I get it wrong? Or what if it really wasn't God speaking to me or it was just sort of me projecting what I really thought the answer ought to be? What, I mean, do you just stay on the train and keep trying? Or what do you do? Excellent question. Excellent question. So, uh, first of all, God's not talking to you. It's you projecting. <laughs> but... Your projection is based on trying to be honest with your, yourself. There's no one else in this conversation. Between you and so, you know, if you're going to fool yourself, you're only fooling a fool, right? No fooling anybody but yourself. So, obviously, honesty. Uh, with that honesty comes the frightening possibility. I may come to a conclusion that I'm going to do something that I really didn't want. Well, I'm here to serve and not be served. So I'll bite the bullet. It might be painful. It might be bitter, but so be it. This is what it is. It's the right thing. And sometimes we'll fail. As I said, you'll make a stop and other passengers going to get on and it's going to bring, you know, new things, new challenges. But the fact that you're asking that question, you're in the right direction. You're, you're moving. Now, that being said, you also need a mentor. Not everything you should answer yourself. You need a mentor. You need a friend who you could discuss things with. You know, uh, sometimes you need a rabbinic authority. Um, whatever, you know, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes that, uh, you know... But um, the more we're, the more that we're, you know, thinking this way and inculcating, you know, this force of habit, 
then the, the more it'll be easier to also subjugate my what I want or what God ultimately wants. It's not easy, but as Rebbe once said to somebody, you were never promised a rose garden. You know, but one thing, think about it. When we do overcome and we do do what we got to do, there is a sense of freedom. There is a sense of, of I am not in, in my small box imprisoned feeling like I'm sitting in a, a dunghill. Or I feel a little more unbound. Exactly. I'm feeling truly more connected. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank Excellent. you. Thank Excellent. You. Excellent. Beautiful. Um, um, if anybody has maybe, maybe one more question, otherwise we'll close it out. Um, and uh, and officially thank Rabbi Fine. Let's see, are there any other questions? Let me go to the Brady Bunch view. One second. Let's see. Scanning, scanning, scanning. Okay. Um, Rabbi Fine, I want to thank you uh, very much for completely transforming the way we look at life, love, relationships, um, self versus other, um, commitments. You know, I was thinking along the lines of Linda's question. You know, understand, uh, understanding love from this perspective. Can we love anybody in this context as long as we respect them? Is that? Uh, but I think that there's a lot, a lot to continue to explore, and and please God, we'll have another opportunity. Um, and now we just need to go back and rewrite all of the Hollywood scripts and all of the books exactly. and all of the songs and all of the poetry, just to be a little bit more accurate based on. A Jewish perspective, and and slowly we'll get there. Um, Rabbi Fine, tell us a little bit. We, we um, I, I wrote, we wrote in the uh, in the marketing that you're known as a as an expert in in, in Tanya um, and the Tanya Rabbi. And tell us about the uh, the new website that you're working on launching. So um, it's been several years teaching Tanya. Actually, it's interesting that we made a resolution. Uh, uh, several years ago, about a dozen years ago, and it was Yitzhak Kislev, which was the beginning of uh, the new cycle of learning Tanya, um, the release of the Alter Rebbe from imprisonment. And so everybody, uh, I suggested, you know, do the daily Tanya. So then it came to me, I had to make a resolution too. I already do the daily Tanya. So I said, I don't know what got into me. I have no idea. Didn't, I don't know where it came from. I said, okay, I'll teach it every day. So it started off in our Chabad house every single day after davening. I taught the chitas, the daily portion of, of Tanya. And then from there, uh, started online on Chabad.org. This is a dozen years ago before anybody actually did anything on, uh, on Chabad.org on video classes. And uh, from a daily class, uh, then I started doing a five-minute synopsis on the daily teachings. And now I have a one-minute synopsis of the daily teaching. And on Facebook, I give daily on Chabad.org, uh, uh, a tiny class daily that you can watch if you'd like, or on Instagram you can get. So I decided that, you know what, after all of these things uh, that have been done, uh, giving classes from an hour, a half an hour to an hour and a half on a daily 
Tanya, giving uh, five minute Tanya, one minute Tanya. And now there's about a fifth, every day about 15 to 30 minutes I give a class. Got to put it all together. There's a lot of material there. So um, launching a website called Tanya Rabbi. And, um, you know, aside, the first place you need to go for your Tanya is to Rabbi Solish. After Rabbi Solish, then you can come to the Tanya Rabbi and you can... <laughs> It's good. It's good synergy. It's good synergy. Uh, it, it, it all comes together. So that's Tanya. That is TanyaRabbi.com. Correct. So the, yeah, the website is being put together now. Um, but you, if you want, if you're looking for daily learning, you can get on Chabad.org. Uh, the five-minute uh, uh, Tanya that I have. Uh, that's on Learn Tanya. That's uh, uh, yeah, LearnTanya.org, or um, on if you're on Facebook, that's a live class every day. A uh, live class every day with uh, students from around the world, and um, it's uh, been quite successful. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking it might be helpful. Maybe we can put together, maybe with Leah's help, we can put together um, a few links of your Tanya classes, and then whoever wants, um, send me an email, and I'll send you, please God, tomorrow we'll get just a few links. We'll pop it out in an email. For, for those that want, and um, and we can get you hooked up with those links because that sounds really cool. Um, a few things that I wanted to mention on that story, which which I didn't know, and that's it's pretty incredible what you're doing. Number one, you said you weren't sure why you decided to commit to teaching Tanya every day. It sounds like that's what God wanted you in that from you in that moment. So I was just thinking that. <laughs> and then the second thing I was thinking is. It's funny because it's like I remember in school, you know, you had to read a book and then who had time to read the book? So you read the cliff notes. But then who has time to read the cliff notes? So then you're going to watch maybe the movie. But who has a chance to watch the movie? So you watch the trailer. And so everything gets this. I mean, I have though, not not to compare, you know, Hollywood or but it's incredible to be able to, to have the ability to distill the the wisdom of Tanya into a, um, a, a five minute, let alone a one minute thing is, uh, is, is pretty remarkable. So if you want it, um, Bethany, I see you wrote in this chat. As soon as I close this up in, in a minute, I'm going to lose that. So <laughs> please email me or text me. Um, and then I'll, I'll reply. Please got tomorrow with the links. Rabbi Ari at ChabadInTown.org, TanyaRabbi.com, um, and the other links, Chabad.org and look around. You'll, uh, you'll find it or email there's me and we'll get you there. There's lots out there. There's lots out there. All right, Rabbi Fine, thank you very much for being here with us tonight and for, um, uh, for, for blessing us with your wisdom and insight on love of a much, apparently now we know, misunderstood topic. Um, Leah, thank you for putting it together. I think you're on the line, Leah. Thank is you, it? Leah. Where's Leah? She's there? She may be on the line. I'm here. Awesome, awesome. Leah, thank you for putting it together. Um, <laughs> awesome. Good. And thank you all for being here with us tonight. Um, I want to mention, I mentioned at the top, this week, of course, is the holiday of Shavuot, beginning Thursday night into Friday, Friday night into Shabbat. Very special day, very special days in which we commemorate the giving of the Torah and God's love for giving us the Torah. But as we learned tonight, it's not just about feeling the love. It's about what are we going to do about it? It's about the commitment. So I think it's a, it's a worthwhile opportunity to take the next few days and think about what will this year, what er, how, in what area of Torah might we take um, some sort of commitment to increase 
and to, to continue to grow in our study of Torah and, of course, in our action, actionable items and the performance of mitzvot. So thank you. Please uh, take my suggestion to think about that and to, to commit to something positive. Rabbi Fine, thank you again. Hope uh, Montreal is not uh, cold anymore. It's warm. It's back. Uh... Yeah, it's too hot. It's almost <laughs> as bad as Atlanta. <laughs> I'm telling you, it goes from snow to heat. I don't know. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, but thank you again. Thank you all for being here. Laila Tov. Shavua Tov. Have a good night. Thank Have a good you. week. And Achak uh, Sameh. Uh, Shavua should be a meaningful and wonderful celebration. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you all. We'll see you all soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.